0: Lee. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm JR. And we don't normally talk about news on this podcast, but we are going to talk about news. We, do, the reason... we do quite often talk about news. But we've talked we? about it once or twice lately, because a few okay. big things have happened okay. lately, yeah. but we don't ordinarily. Not... because no Doctor Who
1: on the television. Well,
0: <laughs> yeah, but normally we don't talk about news because we yeah. generally record about a week okay. in advance. Yeah. So by the yeah. time. I've missed
1: and... quite a few of this. Are we talking about like just general news now? Are we doing career and all mm. that? Or what's, what's going on? Or is it still Doctor Who? Well, if we're
2: a week in advance, there probably isn't a career. So that's fine. That's probably yeah. quite true. Well,
0: didn't um, yes, he did. yes. Trump say he's going to completely destroy Korea? He
2: might have been overstating
0: it. He might uh, have been. For effect. Yeah, I don't
2: know. If then, I get the impression Trump might do that occasionally.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah. oh,
2: but,
0: yeah. oh, well, I'd hate to think he actually meant it. Well, yeah. But even so, you just can't say that. Not to the UN. Oh, it's ridiculous. Anyway.
1: You
0: can say it in the locker room, but not to the UN. <laughs> well, anyway, the Doctor Who news, which oh, is yesterday. interesting enough to talk about and which Lee apparently doesn't know about. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Lee, take yourself back to 2013.
1: Yeah.
0: And yeah. an adventure in space and time oh, is on. Yeah, yeah. And David Bradley is playing William Hartnell.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And although it goes through the entire sort of Hartnell period, the only other sort of regular cast members from the programme that you really see anything much of at all are the ones who are playing um, William Russell, Jacqueline Hill and Carol Ann Ford. Yep. And at the time, lots of people said, oh, they should keep them on and recreate the missing episodes. And then people said, yeah. well, no, that wouldn't really be the same as having the missing episodes. So what would be the point of doing it? Why not keep them on and get them to do new First Doctor stories in the style of the First Doctor from the nineteen sixties, and that's when people said, oh, "Actually, that wouldn't be a bad idea." And quite a lot of people, as I recall, seemed to think that would be a good idea. So when Big finished announced this week that that's exactly what they were doing, everybody said, "You can't recast all those people." <clears throat> So what everybody was calling, well not everybody, I'm exaggerating, but what a lot of people were calling for four years ago is now happening and everybody's up in arms about it. <laughs> it's great, it's great though, because big, big Finish
2: are doing this more and more, they're recasting, yeah. firstly the the companions and now they can start...
0: This with... ain't quite the same thing though. Are they they been... recast Ben right. to appear yeah. with um, Annika was. Wills yeah. because uh, Michael Craze is dead. Yeah. So and But Fra-
1: also also the third doctor has been recast. Tim Drillor yeah, to appear with Katie Manning. Yeah.
0: And Fraser Tim Hines Richard. has done the
2: Second Doctor a, a Patrick Troughton impression. The sec- but presumably they're not. Are these in sort of like
0: narrated stories? Well these are some of, the of them are, okay. not always. Okay. Right. But those are cases where you're recasting a character in order that you can do a play with people who are still with us. Yeah. Right. This okay. is recasting the, oh, entire, the entire cast. cast. Okay. Even though some of those cast members are still alive. Right. Yeah. So, to my mind, it's more akin to, but playing it straight rather yeah. than doing a yeah. sort of anti-canonical version. Yeah. It's a bit more like Doctor Who and the Daleks doing yeah. an alternative version oh, of the Daleks.
1: So, what is the problem exactly? Because that sounds like a great idea. Are, are yes, people, are people moaning or not? <laughs> Doctor Who fandom. <laughs> are are Come on, Doctor Who fans. Are they moaning? <laughs> Come on, fans. That's a great idea. Surely, what's wrong with that? It's not. I mean, it's not as if the world's gonna fall in on itself, is it? It's just I, a great, great fun I mean, movie I guess here. it's, like you've, I mean, got it's the, like... you've got the original Doctor Who episodes to go back to if you ever need It's it. like what they've done with Sapphire and Steel and The Avengers yeah, 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 yeah. and The Prisoner. Yes. Yeah. And it's
2: just... And I they're think, all good. I think that's their anxiety is if you start treating Doctor Who like Sapphire and Steel, The Prisoner and The Avengers, it starts feeling like a cult right. past TV series, whereas it's still going on. But at the same time... Heart, the Hartnell portion of the, the series is a sort of it cult is. <laughs> TV series. It's no longer the same. No, the, it really isn't the same TV series as we're watching now. It's like might be a continuous story if you want to see it like that, but it is a sort of an isolated cult moment.
0: I agree. I hope when Cults. they've already re- they've already recorded them. I think mm. they're coming out quite soon. I wow. could be wrong. Wow. I didn't really see that far into the news piece. I didn't look at the date. I should have. Um I hope they've done it with a sort of twinkle. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? So that so that instead of trying to get these four actors to actually be sort of replacements for the original four, they have, you know, quite ostentatiously done it as a sort of alternative version of the first four. Hmm. That could be great fun.
2: Well they'll have to almost have to do it because I think on the so, audio is yeah. so it's got that slight difference that you have to sort of
0: yeah. On so audio, is so unforgiving of things like impersonations yeah. because when you are concentrating absolutely on that one facet, which is the voice, mm. you don't get like the face and a costume mm. and all these other things mm. to distract you mm. from the differences. So it's completely unforgiving. So, I, w- you know, if I was running this, I would say that the actors, don't try and impersonate these people, just be a part. Just get the flavour,
1: just get the tone, and just and do it your way. Because there's mm. there's no point in unless they want to absolutely 100% recreate the 1960s, which they could do on on CD and with all the sound effects, with all the stilted kind of acting. with all the, not even they, doing the that. Bitty Fluffs. Tell me they're going to put those in.
0: They're not even doing that with the original <laughs> actors now, though.
1: No, exactly. They're not really, are they?
0: The other the thing that makes me
2: happy is how David Bradley has sort of embraced this role. Mm. So he's going yeah. to the conventions and he's clearly enjoying this. Idea of him being the Doctor, which gives me hope for the Christmas special because it's always nice to see an actor. Like, you've got the impression that John Hurt quite yeah, yeah. quite likes being the Doctor. Absolutely, being the did, Doctor. yeah. And that adds to Day of the Doctor, and that will add to yeah. to Twice Upon a Time. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Love it. Good job. Right,
0: um, tonight we're going to be doing the top 10 new series, regulars and companions. <laughs> Um, (laughs) (laughs) as voted for by a small portion of our listeners on Facebook. So we'll take a rundown of the top ten and we'll talk about why these people have come where they have. Mm. Um, I've got some reviews to do, but I'll leave those till the end. Okay, okay. Um, Well, here's the thing. Of the new series, Regulars and Companions there's essentially been six primary companions, right? Which would be Rose, Martha, Donna, Amy, Clara, Bill, Mm -hmm. which are the sort of, this is the new Doctor Who companion. And then Mm -hmm. other ones like Rory, even though they've been Travellers on the TARDIS, Mm -hmm. they've not been advertised, you know, in the promotional guff as the new Doctor Who companion. Mm -hmm. So you would have hoped that all six of those primary Doctor Who companions would end up in the top ten. But I'm going to have to start in 11th place because one of them didn't. Right. So are you going to guess to me? I'd imagine it's Martha. Martha. It is. She ended she up outside my, the top my, ten.
1: She was in my top ten. Well,
0: you yeah, only we did 10. five. Did I? She was
1: in my Everyone, top five. Yeah. Well, was she wasn't enough, I'm she afraid, was, yeah. She was in your top five, Matt. She was in my top five. <laughs> and I think for, for her,
2: the story she was in is probably better than the roles she was given in the stories. Mm. And I think it's a a shame, because if you look at her in a series since Doctor Who, where she's been given a lot more to do, she's she's become a really, you know, charismatic Mm.
0: actress. Uh, Yeah, you're right, because you look at things like human nature, Mm. she's entirely reactive. The Mm. best story that she was in was Blink, and she's only in there for, well, Blink and you'll miss it.
3: Mm.
1: Yeah. But she wasn't very good in that. But the best. I think story. she. Well, I think she was. She was good with what little she was
2: given. I just don't think she was given. I mean, the character was. We've talked about this before. The character yeah. was a reaction against Rose, yeah. and was never going to last. The well, it was a dead yeah.
0: end story, wasn't it? Yeah. But then, and I've said this many times, but she doesn't get the key to the TARDIS until mm. she's like more than halfway through her run, mm. which is like. It's almost as if Rossity Davis is spending all this time introducing her and when he's finished introducing her, he does a couple of stories where she doesn't even have any sort of anything important to do. Mm. So she kind of almost it's almost as if the character gets spent all this time being introduced, then almost drops out of the series entirely, Mm. and then comes back in for the last three episodes, the master arc at the end, where all of a sudden she's the most important person on the earth. Yeah. So even if
2: but as a, char- as a character yeah even
0: if I'm, she'd done that justice that story in itself even without the reaction to Rose mm-hmm. thing is just so disjointed
1: but actually I mean I I, I do face when I hear Martha I think, I think oh, she wasn't really that good I didn't really enjoy her that much but the more I think about it she had a, quite a good emotional arc which worked out okay in that first series I just didn't I couldn't stand it when she came back and they tried to make her a tough soldier, which that plainly just isn't her character. But you know, it didn't we, work because we didn't see work. it happening. But we kind of did because she had a year travelling around the planet toughening up. But that's what I mean. We it's didn't awesome. see it. But it worked. But we didn't in, see it. Yeah, it worked yeah.
2: in tortured, I thought, because what I liked about Martha was, unlike Rose, unlike Donna, she was she was edu- she was a doctor, so she was sort of educated beyond a certain level well that's a better word unusual. would be
0: trained trained yeah because yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's all about because that last episode where she does walk around the earth that's all about training training yeah. herself maybe yeah. Yeah. but it's all about training but
2: in Torchwood they actually used that, that medical training so mm. she, was the, she had that kind of but they didn't really use that in the series they occasionally sort of but even reminded then, you of
1: that she didn't convince me she was actually a doctor either I didn't, I didn't get that from her. She seems too soft, sweet, nice, and a she's little an, bit gullible. Especially ma- as a medical
2: student, so I guess that's... She's not a seasoned doctor. No, she's no, a medical student. Close. And in Torchwood, she did convince me she was a doctor. She looked she... as though she'd hardened up and she'd yes. got experience. Yes, actually. So actually, yeah, yeah. when she was in Doctor Who, that probably was what she was supposed to be, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. That... So when she's in Human Nature and she runs through the bones of the hand to yeah. convince, what's her name? That she actually is a medical student. Yes. That's the sort of thing a medical student would do. Mm. Rather than saving someone's life, they'd actually do the...
1: And she's got some great moments. There's some brilliant moments, I think, in um, Shakespeare Code, mm-hmm. when, when they're on the bed. Yes. You've got that wonderful moment with David Tennant staring. Oh, but it's staring. a horrible scene. It's a horrible scene. But do you know what? It's quite truthful, isn't it? And it's, it's quite. You suddenly don't like the Doctor for the first mm. time and think,
0: oh, you hard swine. Oh, I don't know. You may say it for the first time, but there were a couple of moments (laughs) in Series 2. The other thing that mitigated against her in terms of where she's appeared in the voting is a reappearance in Series 4, where she turns up, does that horrible line about, I'm bringing you back to Earth, or whatever it is. Mm. And then they bring her back for three episodes, and in the first two of those episodes, she's replaced by a clone, and then in the third one of those episodes where they go off into outer space, she gets separated from the Doctor and Donna in the first scene and doesn't meet them again until the end of the story.
1: And works out at how to speak in bubbles. I mean the doctor <laughs> d- the doctor's daughter is a
0: complete <laughs> mess. Yeah.
2: Because actually it might be better it might be better with Martha not in it because at least then you've got Georgia Moffat and and Catherine Tate. But with Martha is just yeah. Well the
0: reason Martha's there is because Russell T. Davis wanted to well, it wasn't him who wrote it, it was Stephen Greenhorn, but presumably this was under Russell T. Davis' directions, wanted to do the story about the half. Yeah. Whereas in order to do the storyline about Jenny, you had to have Donna there with the Doctor in order to be the sort of mediator between yes. the characters. So in order to do a storyline about the Hath, you needed a third character on the Tardis, mm. but it doesn't work, no, and know. it certainly doesn't work in that she's just come back to do that.
1: I always felt that you know it was a waste for Donna as well because she's such a great character. So you know wouldn't it been it wouldn't have been difficult to have the Doctor with Jenny and his so-called new daughter and having that kind of shot and Martha where yeah. um, no well where, where Donna disappears off with some other old person or Hath or whatever. And has a moment which is a bit like her father because her father's no longer in the series. I don't think. Mm. Yeah, so yes. you could have a, an emotional thing on both sides. It just seemed weird. Just you know, Donna's hanging about, not really doing much, and then Martha goes off with a bubbly fish across
0: the. Oh no! But Martha's there to be the mediator between the Doctor and Jenny. You need <sighs> Do- a third character, Donnie, there. Sir. Donna.
3: Donna. Donna. The...
0: Yeah, sorry, Donna. Donna. You need a third character there. Yeah, but only for the
1: first ten minutes. Well... It moves so fast anyway. Is it Donna in the top ten?
0: We'll find out. I'll tell you, before we get into <laughs> the top ten, a couple of other things about people who got voted on. On the same number of points as Martha is Osgood. Okay.
1: Oh, yeah. It's fun. I liked Osgood.
0: Um, we didn't get many people writing in with um, with comments, but Steve Hur said about Osgood, my favourite companion that never was, a fan of Doctor Who aboard the TARDIS, would have been great fun. Hmm.
2: Quite often, that's the case, though. It's the companions that never were, like Carrie Mulligan. Yeah, you you can mm-hmm. imagine them being great companions if they'd actually ended up on board Tardis. They would have probably have come lower down the list. It's so funny it's that though, sort of sweet one shot.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I wonder though if sometimes the companion that never was, if that actually, if that person actually got to be the companion, whether that. Initial reaction to them might not be tainted.
2: That's what I think. And yeah.
0: alternatively, can you imagine somebody like Martha as a one shot in a story? Would people be hankering after her being the companion? Yes. Maybe well, she not. She did so kind much. of
1: have a one shot as a cousin. And she it was a and you miss it kind of a piece of yeah. acting, mm. really. Yeah. And she
0: was I, in a fair bit of that first episode. Yeah, it wasn't I mean, quite blinking. It didn't, your it wizard, it didn't shine. I think it but what count. happened? Nobody after that episode said, Oh God, I hope she I yeah, know exactly. oh she's dead, but yeah. I think there's a there is a difference between in the writing between Oh there
2: is the yeah. the, the companions that are gonna stay on and people like Kerry Mulligan, who was obviously there for just one episode. But, well, always, but if she was going to stay on, then. It but would the reason
1: been... why she was so good is we felt that she was quite rounded within the forty minutes that we yeah, saw her. Yeah, and she was a great actress as well.
2: Yeah, so Stephen Moffat wrote her as a complete character with a beginning, middle, and an yeah. end. Yeah, but this... but you don't do that with an ongoing companion. You leave some room for them to develop through the series.
0: Yeah, you only show the beginning. Yeah, I. I mean, this goes back as far as Ping Cho in um, mm-hmm. Marco, Marco Polo. Polo. Who was a fully rounded character yeah. who you could have imagined climbing aboard the Dardis? And obviously, was never intended to. Well, there's a series of books
2: that. Or the, been old a bit woman, the old woman, the old woman. Yeah, <laughs> right. The dump on board.
0: Um, other ones, Jackie Tyler didn't actually make the top ten. What? And Brian Williams Come didn't make on. the top ten. What? I'm, they were both I'm in contention. Right. I'm probably fine with that. Yeah, they were
2: both
1: Matt. in
0: contention when the votes started piling in, but they drifted away again. Well, well, um, now,
1: seriously, though, Brian, he's, he would have been. He's. suppose He, of, did. well, he yes. didn't have a big enough run. If, Jackie. If the,
2: if the Bradley Walsh rumours are true, then the Brian Williams character becomes a sort of a, a prototype for him. So that would be interesting, I, okay. Probably
0: because we don't quite know what they're gonna do with that. Yeah. It, it, they could be he yes, could be like yeah, a yeah. hard boiled type could character instead. Yeah. Yes. But oh, okay. but potentially, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I do from Montgomery Tara Diddle, who also wrote some comments next to his votes. And um in fifth place he had Kate Stewart, and he's the only person who voted for Kate Stewart, but I'm gonna read it out anyway since okay. he, he says, uh, she is clearly the Brigadier's daughter, her steadfast nature, utter trust in the Doctor, but still prepared to act when needed, a fine tribute to our fallen hero.
1: Actually, the more you more you think about it, yeah, I wonder if she went back and looked at the acting, because there are moments now when she uses her head and the way that she actually looks at people. It's quite similar to the Brig.
2: It's, it's possible, although I think Nicholas Courtney's portrayal of somebody in the military is probably fairly archetypical, so she's yeah I don't, i don't think he he brought a new a new style to his portrayal of a of a military officer are you sure about that he put he put a mustache on and stood up straight i think I really like Nick Courtney, but he's not he's not like the finest the finest most versatile actor this country's ever seen. Oh, he, play, he plays military very well. Brett Vian. He plays um, Nick Courtney very well. He plays Nick Courtney very well. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: look, you're going to love this bit, Matt. Yes. Added percentages. Oh, OK. Go on then. Do you want me to explain how the percentages work Is again? it different
1: from the last time? No, but okay. I'll
0: explain it again for anybody who doesn't remember. It's a um, be like
1: Open University, guys.
0: Get ready. Right. If everybody... If everybody...
1: <laughs> Matt's got his calculator out.
0: <laughs> no, I'm just checking Facebook. Sorry, carry on. I'll put it away, I'll put it away. If everybody had voted Martha in first position, she would have got 100%, right? Right, okay. So I've worked it out so that you can see how close each of these people came to come in absolutely top by what percentage they've got. So, for instance, Martha got 7.33% of what she would have got if she'd have been voted first by everybody who voted. You understand that, right? You understand how I've worked it out.
2: Yes, let's say yes. yes. Do you really um,
0: not? I understand. Okay, because if you don't understand, I'll explain it in more detail. No, because
2: no, the no, listeners no. won't understand no, either. I understand. Right. For the sake of the listeners, I, I understand. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's a desperation in his voice, then.
2: Yeah.
0: It's a Doctor Who podcast. This is
2: do the kind you, of thing Do you is. think do you think? Do, do you think that we'll get people writing in to say, JR, please explain again the percentage system? Because...
0: <laughs> no, but how the percentage system works is less relevant than saying 7.33% is less than 10%, so it's really not that close to winning. Right, okay, yeah. Whereas given how many companions and regular characters there are, yeah. so the percentage system, how it's worked out, it's not the important thing, no. but the result you end up at gives okay. you a better... Okay. So it for gives instance, you a sense
2: of spread as well as position. Yes. Okay.
0: where Because okay. otherwise, you could end up with the first person getting all those first place votes and being on 100%, and then the person in second place being on like 20% or something. There'd be a massive difference. Yeah. But if I actually give a position and the percentage as well, yes. you get to see what the differences are.
1: Mm. Okay. I
0: thought that was a good way of doing it still don't both do. it's fine can't
2: believe Jackie
1: um, so
0: low right it, well the funny thing is all the ones in the top 10 got over 10% and all the ones below the top 10 got less so actually oh, wow. we're into oh. characters that got over 10% now Ooh. and in 10th place on 11.33% is Nardal. okay now I don't know is that a surprise that he's come above like Jackie and... yeah
1: <laughs> yeah I think so
0: do you think it's a as Yeah, surprise? Jackie...
1: It, I can't... I won't... I, I'm going to bang on about it. I think Jackie was a brilliant character. She was totally rounded. Okay, was, but we're talking about Nardal now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't need to because I do not think he was. But, you know, it's... Lee, Nardole, we're not here Nardole, to talk
0: about whether we like the characters. We're here to talk about the reasons why we think they came where they did in the and list.
1: And has this... Uh, he's recent, right? So it's fresh in people's memory. He's a comedian. He was very funny. He did have, He did have some great scenes. He had some great moments. But I don't <laughs> think... I don't think Nardle should be anywhere near the top ten because I I don't see the character having a very good form.
0: I don't think the how recent it is thing has got anything to do with you this list. Think? No, the kind of people who are voting on this list aren't the kind of people who are voting in, you know, teenagers and young people voting in okay. surveys in Doctor do Who anybody magazine. anybody
1: saying why they vote for Nardle?
0: Um, Yeah, we've got... Steve Hur says, Nadal scenes are some of my favourites in Series 10. Not many people can deliver a sarcastic one-liner like Matt Lucas. I'll tell you something else, though. He's the only companion, the only person to travel in the TARDIS in the modern era who's not a contemporary Earth human. Yes. And as such, he not only works as the outsider who gets to uh, sort of... Reflect the sort of modern sensibilities of the series back on itself, but he also kind of works as a well. Sort of, it's sort of the same thing. But he's a kind of a Greek chorus character as well, yeah. isn't he? Oh yeah. So he's uh he's the outsider who reflects us back at ourselves, as well as being able to take the drama. But he's also... I mean, he doesn't necessarily always, but he is able to take the drama into places it wouldn't necessarily be able to go.
2: But he's also not comic relief. So Jackie Tyler often was the comic relief, she was the opportunity to shout at the Doctor or to play off Christopher Eccleston's kind of lack of lack of sort of human interaction, whereas Nardal's the one that's bringing the human interaction out of Peter Capaldi. If you see their scenes, some of the scenes between the Doctor and Nardole are actually the quiet, kind of contemplative ones. And Nardole's part of the mystery—that mystery of the first half of the season—he's hmm. actually. But then he that, said it was that
1: first still, half of the season that was the best part of Nardole.
2: Yeah, but that's a good part of Nardole as well. Mm-hmm. And then after that, he sort of he sort of settles down into a more conventional companion role. Yeah. Whereas Jackie Tyler never did. I think she was always she was always the yeah. sort of. I mean, I I wasn't a big fan of Jack, Jackie Tyler because. <clears throat> every scene kind of was primary coloured grating which is yeah, a kind of she a, was a Russell T. basically
0: know. played as a cartoon character yeah, from which start is to fine, finish
2: which is fine so long as she doesn't get on board the TARDIS for a sustained period of time and travel with the Doctor whereas Nardole I could be could happy indeed. seeing a, a series with Nardole on board the TARDIS
0: and um, we sort of we almost sort of did gossip. yeah
2: yeah. Mm. so he's not quite as sort of bright and standoutish
1: as Jackie Tyler but I think that's for a companion. That's probably a good. Thing. Yeah, I think the moment the word is companion here, isn't it? I mean, plainly <coughs> Nardo was a better companion to yeah.
0: the Doctor. So Jackie I just got Jackie some moments point. in episodes like Doomsday and in episodes like Love and Monsters, hmm. but those were the moments that were at odds with how she was the rest of the time.
1: Yeah, maybe a more as a character than a companion. That's that's hmm.
0: Well, this is. Uh... That makes sense. But this is a list of. Characters. This mm. isn't companions, because, mm. like I say, there are only six primary companions. And if I'd have limited this to people who had been travellers on the TARDIS for any regular length of time, we'd have, uh, you know, still only had ten people to vote for. Incidentally, Mickey, who was a traveller on the TARDIS in Series 2, he didn't get a single vote from a oh, single person. Oh, Mickey. That's
2: oh. Quite, quite sort of fitting for Mickey, because he was always like...
0: The dim dog. Yeah,
2: yeah. I
0: like, Mickey. <laughs> well, I like Mickey as well, yeah. but you know, not enough to vote for him, obviously.
2: No, no. and
0: again, I brought this up last time we did oh, nice. this. If you're only doing a top five as opposed to a top ten, it's more about who you leave out mm. than who you include. Mm. Uh, should we find out who was at number nine? by
3: mm-hmm.
0: right, this one okay, so this is only just slightly above Nadal on 12.67%, but this is Captain Jack. Mm. I'm not sure whether I'm... I did this before last time, I think. I'm not sure I'm surprised whether he didn't come higher because of the impact he had, whether he didn't come lower because he had the... He was one of those people who had the um, ability to grate on people.
2: Oh, I think he's also fading over time as well. Mm. So when he mm. towards the beginning, people were saying, oh, we must bring Captain Jack back, we must bring Captain Jack back. And now I get the impression that... well. Should we just leave John Barrowman
1: to the conventions well,
3: for
2: a yeah. while? Yeah, but maybe. maybe well, now. This it's, is the thing
1: that you. Sorry. Go
0: on. Oh, I was just going to reply to Matt by saying now, the only person who's going must bring Captain yeah. Jack back, must bring Captain Jack back, is <laughs> Captain Jack. Been, yeah, and abandoned. I think as the years go by, that's rubbing more and more people up the wrong way. Yeah. He's begging to come back to the programme. All very well if you're one of the doctors. Who yeah. wouldn't want Christopher Eccleson to beg to come back to the programme? But somebody who wasn't even a proper for want of a better word, companion, that is kind of... Yeah. He
1: is immortal though, isn't he? So he can turn up any time if you want, you know. As long as the story works. works. But he's
2: also immortal, so that really limits how you can introduce him. Once you've had him in, mm. well, whichever whichever stories he came back in, I've lost track, but Utopia, and you've seen him kind of like, be killed and reborn, that's the sort yeah. of a one trick you can't keep
0: it's on a, It's a character without drama. Because there's no threat on the character, so
1: no, it's, it's which is why Miracle Day works for him. Yeah, not necessarily as a series,
2: and also like, and also um, Children of Earth worked because it wasn't yeah. about his immortality. It was no. about the fact that he sees everything, yeah. and he's tortured by what he sees. Yeah. So he's seeing something so he's seeing a story unravel, which is so horrible. Yeah that his immortality becomes And he's a also a part of it as well. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. the guilt and the... But you can't really do that in Doctor Who because that sort of story has to centre on Captain Jack. It has to be... And it has to also be fairly brutal. He works in a sort of fairly brutal setting situations. when it's centred on him. But Doctor yeah. Who can't do that because it has to be centred on the Doctor.
0: And see, Captain Jack works under Russell T. Davis because for all that Russell T. Davis is the soap opera Doctor Who showrunner, he's a lot of his stuff is very cartoony, bright, primary colours so, kind of yeah. stuff. So you can throw in a character like Captain Jack and he feels, he feels right mm. in that kind of thing. Whereas when he gets to Stephen Moffat, despite the fact that people say, oh, we can't write characters or whatever, Stephen Moffat's more about the sort of nature of people. So it's less primary colours and more muted colours. Mm. And somebody like Captain Jack doesn't work in that sort of... Which is ironic, considering he created Captain Jack. And then, Well, into... he didn't but... create, he wrote the first story yeah. in which he appeared.
3: Yeah,
1: but like you say, he, he was a cartoon character within that tenure and then had, went into Torchwood. Still a bit cartoony, then tried to make him dark, and that's where the, it didn't quite work with the character. Yeah. So he's either one or the other. So he becomes this bi- bipolar character mm-hmm. who's like up and jokey and, and, and all that sort of this sort of stuff, and a bit camp in places. And uh, very flirty. Very flirty, and then becomes this very dark kind of haunted soul who's been around for hundreds of years it's like well make your mind up but i mean i suppose i don't know captain jack funny old beast he's like the the sally sparrow though isn't he 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 was there in that first uh you know in his first uh, adventure and we're all going oh yeah wouldn't he be great as a permanent companion so you bring him back as a as a semi-permanent companion you kind of think after a while, you're thinking... Well, see, the thing yeah, with Captain it's, it's Jack right. was, I just don't know whether he's got legs. <laughs> he's
0: right at the centre of um, the two-parter that introduces him. And then the very next t- story, Boomtown, he's got absolutely nothing to do. Mm. And then in the two-parter that finishes that series, OK, he gets the scenes at the start in one of the game shows along with the other characters. But as soon as he's out of those scenes in the game shows, the only thing he does after that point is pick up a gun and get killed by the Daleks. And
1: rally the troops up. I mean, I think, I think that's where he, his character starts in, the, in those two episodes. You get to kind of find out roughly who he is.
0: But what I mean is, like Matt was saying, if you're introducing a character who's going to be a regular, you give a little bit, but you leave room for development. With Captain Jack, they gave a little bit and then didn't do anything with him. Yeah. And all the development took place in another series entirely. And quite yes. fa- famously,
2: because yeah. there's lots of things that he introduced with Captain Jack. Really early on, like a missing missing mm. year or something that they just never go back to. Which in Doctor Who, I mean, that's it's all about like tying up these loose ends, and that's a perfect thing for Torchwood. Yeah, but they just never yeah. kind of tackle it again.
0: Well, they they did do an episode in which it was one of the right, oh, okay, but um, they didn't answer it. I don't think mm. they brought it up in tortured, but I don't think they answered right. it, if I remember rightly.
1: Yeah, I think he's at the right place. I think people have got fond memories of him, but he's just not up there with maybe some of the more recent, more powerful companions have stuck in people's minds more. Well,
0: this next one should probably be a surprise. It's a bit of a jump up from Captain Jack. On 15.33% is Rose Tyler. <gasps> no, I'm just thought How Do far surprise eight. something. Eighth place. Rose, yeah, Billy Piper. Wow. revelation like as wow. an actor, the yeah. character that brought the series back. Absolutely. Everybody absolutely adored her throughout the first series. And even though the second series did that story arc about the smug doctor and companion,
3: mm.
0: I don't think she really wiped away that much of the goodwill towards her in no, the second it was re- series. It was
2: redeemed by her departure and yeah, because everybody... I mean, and then that, that's the, everybody cried that's the bit of I but that's the that's the bit where people cried in Doctor Who yeah yeah I got emotional
0: during that series but not mm-hmm. about that wow. uh-huh. so. but then she <laughs> comes back in series four but then yes. I mean that yeah, was that such was an obvious I don't know that was such an obvious thing to
1: do it was a bit of a mistake I think See, but, she didn't you didn't need her to do no, that no
0: you did because Russell T. Davis was telling a story about this doctor and Rose And even when she wasn't there, the ghost of her was always over the series. So to get to the end of the 10th Doctor's tenure and the end of Russell T Davis's time on the programme, you had to have Rose. It was... I mean, as far... You you couldn't necessarily have said so at the time, but looking back on it now with hindsight, I don't think there's any way you could have had Series 4 without Rose at the end of it. So... I think it's quite shocking how low she is. Why
1: is she so low? I don't get it. Do you? Did you like Rose? Were you Rose fan? Yeah, I liked Rose. Uh, But I mean, there's, I mean, there's so, (laughs) so
0: many companions. Um, I'm (laughs) not.
1: Somebody has to be sort of like huge, vastly
0: important, and absolutely Mm. loved.
1: Yeah. And it was, you know, we have to remember how important those first few episodes were of establishing a new Doctor Who series with a new type, type of companion and Doctor dynamic. And the slate was completely clean. Nobody knew what to expect. I know, I no. When you told me you came to the library in 2003...
0: He's to, pointed at me.
1: Oh, uh, pointed at JR. Yeah, and you, you came to life 2003. God, do we know each other that long? Blimey. And you said, oh, it's Billy Piper. And I just looked at you and went, yeah, whatever. I just didn't believe him. For, didn't believe you for weeks. <laughs> and then when you said it really is, I was like, what?! What, are they what is this about? And I was a total fan. Totally went down the route of, oh, this is, this is never going to work. Mm. And I was blown away. I was, I was utterly wrong. I mean, her casting, fantastic. Is, her casting
2: is the yardstick we use whenever they announce someone unlikely like Matt Lucas or Catherine Tate. Yeah, We say, well, they cast Billy Piper, so anything could be... Yeah, anything, can yeah, be anything
1: um, could work. And Donna also proved me wrong. But it was yeah. like, yeah. But Rose is a, I don't know, a very special character of perfect companion and you know she's the mould for the companion for the new, new series
0: Yeah, there's not been a single companion since who hasn't been the companion that you don't compare to Rose Tyler
1: yeah so what is it is it the actual actress herself not doing a great job in the last few episodes that she was in because you know there was I that thought... thing where she was talking for her teeth all the time for some reason which is the, I know grated on my daughter she's I wonder, like, what's wrong with her teeth
2: I wonder so that those early years now 2005 back in the day they're kind of fading for me slightly. So so there's almost so much Doctor Who since then that now I'm reassessing Amy in my head. So I'm rethinking about Amy and thinking, well, wow, I really liked getting nostalgic for Amy. But Rose has sort of passed through. I loved her, then the nostalgia, and she's passed through the other side, mm. where it's just a little bit sort of, I think she's settled down. So she doesn't have that kind of nostalgic sheen mm. that maybe Amy does now. I think,
0: for me, personally, Rose has gone down and Amy has gone up. Yeah, yeah. And And I wonder if... Maybe that's just been repeated with the other people who listen to this podcast. And I wonder
2: if there's a trajectory with these things where they're on screen, like Bill, I really like. At some point, she'll go down slightly, but then the nostalgia will kick in and she'll go up again. (laughs) And then, when it's far enough in the distance, she'll settle into... You see this on the, the rankings of the best yeah, stories. Yeah. Yeah. You see sort of stories going up and then gradually settling down in the middle. Well, we'll see, so maybe
0: right. I was surprised she ended up as low as that. I thought she was a top fiver for I sure. I thought she was better than Donna. Not that I know that Donna is. Well, we'll find out, won't we? In seventh place on 16%, which is just a tiny bit above Rose, is River Song. Okay which is, given how much stick she gets, and this, again, is about vocal fandom versus what people actually think. You know, there's so much vocal, and, you know, hatred for the character of Riversong. It turns out to be surprising that she's actually still as popular as she is. Yeah, actually. But, yeah, she's number seven, and she's just tiny bit above Rose Tyler, which is... So I, I
2: think that... I think River Song's a great guest character. But she's... She's not. I mean, they develop her story, but they don't develop her character very much. She's always, always got well. this kind of, like, edge
1: to her. There's no she's, quiet periods yeah, with She's River the companion Song. No you never st- really see being a companion. I don't yeah. know. There are in...
0: In Series 6, you get... Because in Series 6, you get to see her when she's young mm. in Let's Kill Hitler she's very different in let's kill hitler from what she's like in say for instance the angel 2 parter and then later on you get to see her much older in for example the husband's river song and again i think she's very different there i think the thing about river song's character development is it's taken as places as out of sequence as the character story but i think is. it's
2: always primary, it's always fairly primary colors so it's there's no there's yeah, no real, because like with Nardole there are quite <laughs> there are quiet moments with the doctor there are quiet and there are
0: some there with are river with yeah. With some. Yeah, yeah
1: yeah and she's got a really interesting arc more than any other companion she we have seen her as a young girl mm. walking around in an astronaut suit being controlled by silence whatever you know she's got this amazing arc mm. and you know the fact that she was you know what she turns out to be is mind-blowingly ridiculous but really fun as well she's got I a think great, if you... great character arc yeah i think if you, I you think watched... she's really good at doing what she does it's a hard I role to have gotten right yeah. as an actress. I think, I think if you it.
0: watch the episodes in, this, uh, in the sequence in which they take place for her, mm. I think you definitely would see mm. character development. It's just that it takes place out of sequence. Mm. And of course, because she's coming in as a guest, and we only see her for one episode out of every six or seven or something, you're right. Some of it has to be in primary colours, mm. because you're not getting that sort of narrative for the companion that you'd have with somebody who's there from one episode to the next Mm. so they've got to sort of boil it down they've got to distill it into an episode's worth of doing River Song as the Mm. in Let's Kill Hitler she's basically she's River Song as the adolescent which is why she's running around causing mayhem
2: maybe for me because when you have a companion like Amy you know that they're going to be there for the whole series So you're expecting that, so you're prepared for that. And you're watching for it. Yeah, with River Song, actually suddenly she was in a whole string of episodes, consecutive episodes. So there was a whole series, which was her story.
0: Well, she's only actually in two consecutive episodes. But 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 there was a sort of... a. There was an overall story, yeah. And I think
2: that's something that you're not necessarily prepared for. So it feels overused, even though
0: she's sort of not quite companion, not
2: quite guest characters, so there's a kind of a disjunct.
0: But she's only in the same number of episodes in that series as, say, Jackie Tyler is in series one.
2: Yeah, and I I felt the same about Jackie Tyler, any more of Jackie Tyler and I would have, you know, disliked the character. I think Jackie Tyler was probably used about right. About right. Okay. But also Jackie Tyler had, uh, yeah, had, but, a, uh, had, a, had a, there was a, a the, reason, the, the, point. The, the reason for her being in it was a grounding one. The reason for River Song being in it was River Song's story. Well, which then... was a little bit more disconcerting. I think.
1: We could have easily have watched River Song instead of Doctor Who on telly. Yeah. with the Doctor popping into her life. And that would have been equally as fun to watch. So yes, it's, yeah. she's a very, very strong and well-developed idea and character. I think yes. even though it, he was probably making most of it up as he went along.
2: But maybe that's not what I want from Doctor Maybe what I want from Doctor Who is a Doctor Who story rather than the yeah. River and the Doctor's But story. she
1: is like a female doctor in a way. Yeah. Because she's still got that very dark, serious moment mm. and then on she can turn on a penny and do hello yeah. sweetie and make a joke. Yeah. Which is exactly what the Doctor does. It yeah. is a female doctor. Yeah. Template. And I think um, I don't
2: think they went they went this far and I think they actually pulled it off. They pulled the balance off. But if you do it if you're not careful you end up with the Eric Sayward system of making Doctor Who stories where the Doctor is a character that takes half an hour to 40 minutes to actually get to the story because mm. he's too interested in other characters Always in the box. and I don't think they do that with River Song but I think you know I, I think it was starting to feel like Yeah, uh, there's of... a
0: couple of episodes where certainly Let's Kill Hitler where that's the case mm. but then in Let's Kill Hitler the story is River Song yeah. and <laughs> Stephen Moffat more so even than Russell T Davis, writes stories about characters mm. So, you know, Ross T. Davis would never do a series finale where the Daleks didn't turn up to cause mayhem. But Stephen Moffat several times has done series finales that are about something that's happened to the Doctor rather than another adventure that the Doctor's got involved in. Mm. So, I mean, even Time of the Doctor, the only reason all those aliens are on Transalor is because the Doctor's there and we barely get to see any of them, really. It's about him. Mm. The same is true of Hellbent, the same will probably be true in Twice Upon a Time. Mm. So, I think what's happening with River Song is that that is a case of literally doing something different with the series. We are literally making it about the characters before the story, making the story the characters. Mm. So, she could, so t- to have her as a regular would never have worked. Because that would have taken all the balance out of the series. Mm. But to have see a lot of people don't like this but I really do like this. To have an occasional episode like Love and Monsters Mm. where it's about a character. Well what Stephen Moffat's done is said okay let's do something akin to Love and Monsters on a regular basis and have you know, every series somewhere there will be on average one maybe two episodes that are about the characters rather than the plot mm-hmm. they find themselves involved mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And River Song is kind of the poster girl for that approach. Mm-hmm. So if you can't every... imagine
1: it on the side, a side of a spitfire like a complaint. But, well. it quite well. but, so if ever,
0: but if all fans had been on board with it, River Song would have been top three. And if all fans had hated it, River Song would have had like zero votes. <laughs> but so River Song's placing is about, you know, the different things that different people take from the programme.
1: Did either of you put her in the top five?
0: Did I? Yeah. In my top five I can't remember but she would have been there or thereabouts. No.
1: No, I didn't no. either.
0: I think she would I don't think I did but she would probably have been like six or seven. I yeah,
1: I had about eight or nine in my head really. But, we go.
0: but what I really like Just more the than the character... <laughs> But what I really like more than the character is the stories. Yeah. I really like the story.
2: Yeah, I did. I did. Mm. But I think she was more of a story than a character. It, for me.
0: Yeah. I but I think, like I say, if you watched her episodes in the sequence in which they take place for her, I think yeah. you'd have had that story as well. I think mm. that was just... Has
1: anybody done that yet? Go backwards.
0: Well, I'm sure That's people have, story. but I never have. No. I watched too many films to, to have time to do that. Yes. Right. <laughs> So the next two tied on a vote Ooh. on twenty eight percent, which is a huge leap up. Mm. So this is joint fifth place. Okay. So when we get into the top five, we're actually on. These are the ones that got the significant votes. Basically, are we talking
2: about these
3: together at the same time? Well,
0: I was going to do them one at a time because you can't really talk about them together. Yeah. But so I'll the Wilfred Mott. Yay! In joint fifth.
3: Wow.
1: Where did
0: go? <sighs> Wilfred Mott I love Wilf, but the reason why Wilf is so high is because the Jackies and the Mickeys and all the others aside, Wilf is the one character I think from the Rossity Davis era who was a regular as opposed to no a recurring as opposed to a regular character who didn't outstay his welcome and always brought. Something to all the stories. There are a lot of stories with Jackie in where she doesn't really bring anything to it. It's true that she's there for a couple of jokes. The, the, and the best,
2: the best it. bits of Bernie Cribbins are the bits where he's just sitting quietly with the doctor talking. Well, yeah, yeah, There's a really good performance.
1: His, his acting can wrench a tear out of every age. I mean, my son watched him and just you know fell in love. Is his favorite companion. Mm. Kind of, and uh, I was the same. I just sat there, and you know, you're riveted to this, this, this guy, this character. It was literally well, you just an old a... chap who likes to look at the stars. Yeah. And I think what it's, big, it's
2: it can't, some credit goes to David Tennant as well because it's when David Tennant is with Wilf. Yeah, that's Brings when really, it really that sort of con- the contrast between because David Tennant's Doctor is this kinetic, sort of hyperactive character, Wilf is the opposite, and it kind of balances.
0: But Tennant, in those quiet scenes, you get the best of Tennant as yeah, well. Yeah, because exactly, he actually exactly, brings yeah, yeah. himself down Whereas Tennant and Donna together, it's is like the
2: L- they and they're Hardy. of sort of constantly trumping, which is, there's something funny in that. So, say, Unicorn and the Wasp, that's like the ultimate in kind of Cold War of who can emote the most. So the scene where Tennant's trying to get the poison out of himself... Oh, that's God, like yeah. just I mean it's brilliant because it's like high farce sort of overacting it's brilliant but you also need something like Wolf in there to kind of like act as a act as a cooling rod in the nuclear reactor but you but know, also... we
1: know Bernie Cribbins as a comedy actor anyway but he can he can deliver that seriousness
2: but like most comedy actors he's good at, he's you know he's yeah. really good at seriousness yeah
0: and when you look at Journey's End and you look at everything that's in Journey's End the return of Davros, all the companions around the TARDIS at the end, towing the planet across the universe, and what's the scene that really stands out in that is the bit at the end, not even with Donna in it, just the bit where David Tennant's standing in the doorway talking to Bernard Cribbins right? Yeah, hmm.
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think there's really anything else to say about Wilfred Mott,
0: <laughs> he's great he fully deserves to be in the top five or in the top six, I suppose, as it is. Um,
2: I didn't vote for him, but you know, um,
0: yeah, it's, he, he could easily have come higher. Actually, he was yeah. one of those ones. I thought when I was going through the votes and putting them together, and, use, and the way I do it is, I have a like a doc where, as each of the characters gets more points, they go up and down the list. So at the end of you know the list moves every time a character gets more points,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and there were times when I thought is somebody like Wilf actually going to win this thing? But actually, he's not the highest placed uh, one of the not six primary companions. There's still another one to come, Ooh. as we'll discover. Mm-hmm. But the joint fifth place on twenty eight percent with Wilf is Clara.
3: Okay. Okay.
0: Which. And this kind of is the opposite of Rose to me in that, for me, she was my number one choice. I think she's the best companion in the new series possibly ever. Clara. In in that, I think she's a great actress, and the character, in spite of what some people seem to think, I think the character's really well thought through. And I think it's only because of who that character is, that they were able to tell the stories they did in Series 8 and Series 9, which I think are unique stories in Doctor Who. And like I said when we were talking about River, I'm totally on board with the telling stories about the people above the plot, as long as you get a balance of both. And I think Series 8 and Series 9 really did that and really did it well. And Clara was what facilitated that. And Jenna Goldman, Coleman's a damn good actress. And I...
1: She is a damn good actress. There's a lot to take on. And um, that was a massive arc for her as well. Mm.
0: But there's so like... much
1: hatred
0: over the character but now. People saying, no, oh, she stayed too long. Well, this, this is what kind I'm of thinking. You know, there was, there and was, that's was why There was an having, element, yeah. even
1: myself, where I was thinking, oh, I think it's probably time, you know, please, please stop now because... You're going to spoil it for me because I really love Clara. But you'd but never have had, even still, when you go the raven, and look at heaven Face the Raven, How ben. you look at them and go, yeah, but there couldn't be anybody else in this. It has to be her. Because this so is well.
0: Yeah, because this is where characters has yeah. been on a trajectory to for the entire
2: time. I watched Hyde the other day for the first time in years, mm-hmm. whenever it was on. And I think it's also the way that she works with Matt Smith mm. in particular. It's just really nice to watch, and also they balance one another. I think that that she sort was, of those yeah. scenes, the sort of comedy timing between the two, I think it's quite under under. It's not recognised
0: enough that, and it, yes, and they were she was fantastic with him for the short time doing that thing, but then when Capaldi comes along, I think she goes on to a whole nother level, and I think the stories that she's in go on to a whole nother level because in that latter half of series seven those stories aren't about her and even the story that wraps up that little arc where she throws herself into the great intelligence in after the great intelligence into the doctor's time stream that's again not a story so much about her so much as about what she did but then from series eight onwards a lot more the stories are about her I just think it works really well I don't think you should do that thing all the time in Doctor Mm. Who but I think because Jenna Coleman stayed with the programme for those Mm. three years they were able to do something that they'd never been able to do before and will probably never quite do again but I think Doctor Who would be a much less interesting place without those two years
1: Yeah, I mean she became oh so very important to the to the Doctor's universe, um all of it, all fifty odd years of it. At the time, you know, she was very, very important. She was a splinter person that went through all of time to guide the Doctor a little bit here and there, and you know. And I think you know, even though you don't necessarily have to take that on board, and and, and when you go back and watch, periods and Miles* or whatever, you can't, you know, you don't have to imagine around the corner maybe slightly guiding the Doctor if he's making mistakes or something like that. But it's quite fun to imagine that she might be. <laughs> the thing about but I, that, but also though, it doesn't matter either. You don't have, it, you know, she's not actually physically there. That and story
0: the, was there to facilitate nostalgia in the fiftieth anniversary yeah. the year.
2: And Doctor Who gets rebooted, so it's it's like, you know, it's not changed the shape of Doctor Who from now until eternity. No, it'll just get put to one side. Well, and of course, it would be restarted again.
0: The point yeah. with that as Matt sort of alludes to, is that she throws herself backwards through the Doctor's timeline up to that point. Mm. But from that point going forwards, Clara doesn't turn up everywhere because Mm. she hasn't thrown herself into his future timelines. Mm. Really? Well, no, because the Doctor reboots at the end of that story, at the end of that sequence, doesn't he? Okay. That's why, for the same reason, Riversong doesn't recognise the 12th Doctor in Husbands of Riversong, because this is a new... Set of regeneration right. cycles Thank that's you. rebooted out of that point. Yeah, so she only throws herself into the first regeneration cycle. Right, second okay. regeneration cycle doesn't exist at that point. Okay, so it's not involved in the timeline. So yeah, her character only. Yeah, and the kind. Of, she's also a tribute to Sarah Jane Smith. I don't think there's any question in my mind that in some way she's a sort of tribute to Sarah Jane Smith, and. You know that's kind of the thinking behind. Okay, if we're going to do something like this, then we have to do it with this person. Mm. The throwing herself into the timelines thing. Mm. I don't know that that really bothers some people. Oh, Stephen Moffat had to get his fingers on every point in Doctor Who continuity. But that was the, the 50th anniversary. anniversary. That's the whole point. It was telling a story well, the same, about the same the whole people of... were saying we should really bring
2: back Colin Baker. Yes, strapping yeah. in the girdle with his coat on. And having that perform a central part in the anniversary story. Yes. Which, quite. you know... Yeah.
0: Yeah. That would have been yeah. ridiculous. Yes. So instead you come yeah. up with a character who can do that for you. Yeah. yeah. And basically that's Clara Oswald.
1: Mm. But you're right. I and mean, she gets lots of different shades. You know, she gets that first period where you begin to know who she is. Then she has a second period, blah, blah, blah. With and then you get this other period where you see her at Cole Hill School. She is Mm. a teacher and she's a really good teacher and Mm. she's great with the kids and you can believe it. It's not like Martha suddenly being thrown into the army and you're going I don't really see that. With Chloe you know exactly that's what she's capable of. She was good with kids in the first (laughs) two episodes. I
0: know People said that was totally out of the blue and I'm like, have you been watching this program? She's always
1: been working with kids.
0: It's a slightly unfortunate thing to say
2: that if you're a nanny or you work with kids then you're basically just a teacher in training as if as if being a, a childminder or a nanny isn't a profession in itself, potentially. No, no, but for, think it's what I, like I Clara though, Clara seeing know. her seeing her potential fulfilled.
0: But they made it clear that she wasn't a nanny as a profession. She was mm. looking after some friends' kids, and yeah. she was supposed to do it for. I think they even specified she was supposed to do it for a week, right? And okay. it turned into a longer job. Okay, okay. Which sets up the idea. So, was she a teacher
2: from the start?
0: No, I think she was, the way I reason it in my head is that she's finished university mm. and she takes it, she's not intending to, but she takes a year out to do this before she takes up mm. a job as a teacher. Yeah. And of course the other thing is, you didn't want to say she's going to be a teacher, she's going to be joining Colehill Hill School before you actually see it, because that was a lovely surprise at the start of the yeah. day of the doctor, mm. when yeah. you suddenly find yourself in Colehill Hill School and mm. she's there. Mm. You know, just so you lay down all the groundwork for it, but you don't spoil the surprise.
1: And then you give her a, a boyfriend who dies mm-hmm. tragically, and then she has to cope with that. And there's some great stuff with with Peter Capaldi, it's just unbelievably brilliant stuff with the key that key mm-hmm. sequence where she throwing yeah. the keys into the lava. Wow, yeah, that's you know, one I mean, of the most, that dumb. was one of the best pieces piece yeah. of acting I've seen in two, She was great in that, yeah, yeah. So I can see why she's so high.
0: Yeah, she should be and higher, I uh, well, I think she should be higher, but given the hatred for her, uh, it's, I'm also glad she's not lower. Um, do you want to do the top four then? Mm-hmm. Just slightly above Wilf and Clara on 28.67%, in fourth place, Amy Pond. Ooh. So that's another quite divisive character who people think outstayed she
2: grated on me to start with when I first saw her but she's gradually every time I see those mm-hmm. episodes again it's partly a nostalgia thing it's sort of of course we went through them didn't we? We
1: did and it's also known that when you go back and listen to the podcast you can hear me going I'm not entirely sure about this I don't think she, you know, she's come on board and they're all too pally in the first episode it's almost like the two actors have gone out and drinking for about two months and then you know they're supposed to have met for the first time in 25 years yet she's treating him like a mate that she's mm. You know, been hanging around with her all her life, and it doesn't quite ring true. But after seeing her go yes, through everything yeah. and then going back, like you just said, yeah, the in the context of in the context, all of her stories, it's okay, yeah. And I really have been enjoying them all,
2: yeah. And you remember really good stories with her own. I mean, I keep going back to the god complex as being the story yes. that I really like. I just keep on, for some reason, that keeps on coming back to me. Well, we'll be going through more. these
0: again soon because we're going to do Series 6 at some point between now and Chris oh, yeah. Chibnall taking never done over. Have
2: that? What else is Series 6? <clears throat> Night Terrors?
1: Have we, not, have we never done that season?
0: Doctor's Wife. We've never reviewed it, so we're oh. going to go through that series and do what we did with Series 5. So we'll uh, end up having done review podcasts for all of the episodes from 2010. And who knows, at some point, we might do the same with Ross T. Davis. But... That's what we're going to do over the next 12 months, I guess. we could
1: say 12 years. <laughs> no, like that.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, well at some point we'll start in on it <laughs> and then we'll do alternating Series 6 reviews <laughs> with other podcasts for a bit. Um, yeah, Amy is divisive again because people think she outstayed her welcome. And I have to say, I kind of agree to the extent that in her first series, they told the story of the companion who gets married yeah. on the TARDIS. But then once you've got the companion married on the TARDIS... See, this was the thing mm. with um, Clara, is that each of the three years that she was there, they f- managed to find a new story to tell about her
3: mm. Mm. and
0: take that character to new places. Whereas after Amy's actually married to... Rory, even though you get episodes like The Girl Who Waited, where they managed to find a specific plot to do with the character that week, they didn't really manage to find things to do with Amy that were specific to Amy.
2: Well, they tried They tried to make a marriage breakdown part of the story, mm-hmm. but actually they kind of flubbed it yeah, slightly yeah. by just sort of bringing them back together again. Well they Which, tell the story
0: of how they get back together yeah, as opposed to the story of yeah, how they yeah. fell apart. But
2: I thought I thought <coughs> to to start with I so I like I like it when it's just her and Matt Smith. And actually I think Rory coming on board sort of reenergizes that slightly. Yeah. And I really like the three yeah. of the three. Yes, of them. Yeah. Again because it's obvious that they're enjoying each other's company. Oh yeah. And sometimes that can become infuriating and smug but on this occasion Well, it's a great chemistry. Yeah, and there are some sort of underwhelming stories that are made really good by their energy, by their sort of ability to push the story through. I think um, Amy's Choice and the Silurian two-parter don't necessarily work as stories, but they do because those three characters are in it.
1: But that is sometimes what it's all about. You know, The Last of the Summer Wine wasn't about the stories, it was about the characters, wasn't it? And they're a bit like yeah, I hate The Last of the Summer Wine in Space in, in But really you get the you But But, you know, the whole point of this first
0: couple of series are really good.
2: Yeah, I wasn't alive, I've never seen the first couple of times. Do you know um, was, Then it like.
0: becomes a bit of a self-powering.
2: Um, no, it becomes a night. I think it becomes a night. It becomes the, like the story of characters trapped in this god-awful, town. god-awful <laughs> town. Just constantly walking over the fields. It's like a Bergman sort of vision of hell. In which case yeah. you'd
1: probably love it, wouldn't you, Matt?
2: Yes, but it's also <laughs> but it's also one on a Sunday night before
1: school. I wonder and you're if we just watching this. Or somebody did, should get that it's one of the series, one episode. <laughs> Slow it down. It's like by a fifth. Make yeah. it all black and white with a blue tint. Yes. and take out all of the. It's sound like mash. And make it silent.
2: <laughs> it's like mash. I appreciate. I appreciate mash. I mean, mash is much better than last of summer wine, but they still like the, the Korean War goes on for five years longer than the Korean War went on, <laughs> and that's not a fun thing to watch. That's not a sitcom to watch. Or Friends. I don't like it anyway. Sitcoms, I find, really can can be nightmarish. Sitcoms are stories of characters trapped in each other's company and they can't get away.
0: Friends, again, the first year was really good. And then the the trouble with some of these things is you'll do a year where you're not quite sure what you are and you'll try various different things. And the whole thing is not just that it's fresh, Mm. but that it doesn't quite know what it's doing. So it has a sort of energy about it. Yeah. But then mm-hmm. once the people who write it work out what are the bits that work, they just keep repeating but the bits d- that work. And that's what happens with Friends and that's what happens with Last and of the best,
2: And the best sitcoms, Faulty Towers, if that went on for stopped. 10... Stopped! If that went on yeah. for
0: 10 series, that
2: would be a nightmare. That would be a horrible series. It went on for two and then it stopped. Ever Decreasing Circles went on for seemingly eternity... Yeah. And it became a nightmare. So the longer they go on, if they go on for yeah, ten yeah. series, yeah. if the office had gone on, gone on for ten series, yeah. it would be insane. I mean, I know it did in America, but here
1: it yeah. went on for
0: two series and then
2: it stopped. Same two or three doors series, it
1: stopped. Four or five series, and then stopped. Yeah, yeah. You know, Pete in the middle.
0: See, Father Ted, three series, and I think the third series. The third series is okay, mm. but it's I, I think it's rags. the weakest of the three yeah, because it's this is what. Jack yeah. does. This is but what Ted they does. They will
1: ready to move on, when they could tell mm. or die. <laughs> well, yeah. The only reason
0: Blackadder, I think, gets away with it, and at the time I didn't like the four series, is because each series is a different program. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that gets away with it for that. Yeah. But even again, and it's Red, still only and Red
2: four Dwarf years. to a certain degree is a different program each time. They find different ways of sort of rebooting it, it. it. Yeah. But Faulty Towers would have been. Hmm. or porridge they tell it for a certain amount of time and then stop yeah that's
1: yeah because it's a situation already. you can't move porridge they do move him out actually don't they, they move, yeah he going the straight which yeah. I didn't think was any I'd
2: good I didn't even bother yeah. seeing it Sorry.
1: Um,
0: just one more Sorry. point yeah. on Amy <laughs> the one thing they do do with Amy yeah. is they give her a home and then the doctor is the man who comes to visit as opposed to yeah. her travelling full that time that does work yeah, it's not, but again, it's not a story specific to her in the way that Clara's stories were specific to her character, but at least it means that in Amy's third year you get a different dynamic.
2: But it is It is a lot of sort of, that, that sort of imagining what the ideal end story for a, a woman, a female character is. It's got to be married with a home and pregnant. <laughs> that sort of slightly
0: uncomfortable, <laughs> uncomfortable. Yeah, but what he does is he undermines that, doesn't he? Well, he tries to break up the marriage and it fails. No, no, no. I mean, after the... the pregnancy, yeah. No, I mean, in those episodes after that, he undermines yeah. that by yeah. saying, so we're settled down. Oh, but actually we're not hmm. settled down. And then they go off and eventually, you know, disaster strikes. Yeah,
2: yeah. They but go then back, they get to, They go backpacking effectively.
0: In New York in 1930 yeah. Yeah. or whatever. But they mm. they get their happy ending. Yeah. And they also... She gets to choose a happy ending as well. That's the distinction between Moffat and Davis is that Moffat always gives his companions agency in how they choose to leave. Mm. Whereas Davis would impose it upon them. With the exception, of course, of Martha. Mm-hmm. Who chooses? Should mm-hmm. we find out who the top three are? Yeah. Okay. Again, there's a bit of a leap above Amy, and I'm thirty-five point three three percent in third place. It's Rory.
1: Ah, wow. Okay. He's up there.
0: You know, I think I voted
2: for I voted Rory quite high. I think I might have voted him above Amy Pond.
0: I think. Yeah, I got the impression a lot of people would vote for, not everybody, but I got the impression quite a few people would vote for Amy and Rory and would put Rory in the slightly higher spot because she was the slightly more abrasive one and yeah. he was the slightly more old-school Doctor Who one. He was a moderator between the three.
3: Mm. But also, also he
0: was the he, he was the companion a bit like Harry Sullivan, yeah. who would just go out, get himself in trouble and need rescuing. In that sort of old school Doctor but Who type way. do you think
1: way. he deserves to be above Clara or number three, or do you? I mean, is it something within the listenership fandom? No, I don't think he. Who kind of like are painting with a bit of a you know most tinted. I think colour? I think
2: I think as a performance as a character, I think there was so much that he had to do because he starts out because <laughs> he's the surprise, he's the stealth companion. He's the companion on you're, you're not expecting, ironic, yeah. and in the, in that in the eleventh hour in that first one, he's, he's barely in it. He's barely in it, yeah. and I think to then become quite a central figure, yeah. he has to build that both through the performance and the character development. Whereas Amy hits the ground running; she's promoted as a companion. You know she's going to be the companion. She's presented as a companion to start with, and then she can go. But with Rory, I think. They gave him a much harder
0: task. But both the actor and the writing did it full justice. Yeah, yeah. It's That's not like good. Mickey. When Mickey jumps on board in at the end of School Reunion, you're kind of, really?
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But when yeah. Rory comes on at the start of Vampires of Venice, in that episode, he convinces you that he's got good reason to be there, even though the reason they go and fetch him is... Pretty spurious,
2: but also, I mean, and it's become a cliche. But his noble sacrifices, of which there are many, mm-hmm. they aren't—they aren't unbelievable. When Mickey suddenly switches into power, Mickey with guns and and yeah. rubbish like that, then you feel like he's suddenly lurched from Rose. Is what he? But did when in Mickey Rose says
0: at the end of level. the Cyberman two parter, "I'm going to stay here and mop up the rest of the Cyberman," yeah. you just look at the screen and think, "What the f are you talking about?" Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's this not was,
1: his character. This was a born coward. This is a guy that grabbed all of Rose's legs. Yeah. And but like, when. Please don't go in the first episode. But
2: when Rory decides to sit and wait for a thousand years as a Walton, yeah, you, you kind of that. believe that. That's yeah. sort of. Because that's Rory's I, sort of innocence in his character. And his I romance. think the
0: reason he's so high, though, in spite, I mean, as well as and in spite of all that, I think the reason he's so high is because he's a less divisive character. Yeah than Amy and Clara.
1: He's a lovely, foolish character. Mm. And he's easy to get on with.
0: But Amy and Rory... uh, Amy and Rory... Amy and Clara and companions that some people will love and some people will hate. Mm -hmm. So they'll be at the top of some people's Mm -hmm. lists, but they won't feature at all on others. Mm -hmm. Whereas Rory is sort of in a mid-to-high spot on everybody's list.
2: There's also something about Amy, Rory and the Matt Smith Doctor that because they're in isolation, they... They're never sort of... They almost define a very specific era of Doctor Who. So when oh, right, they turn right. up at a convention, you know exactly what that's tapping into. It's like the unit yeah, family.
0: Well, they're like yeah. the yeah. Beatles. In that you can't really look at Matt Smith without seeing Amy and Rory. And yeah. you can't really look at
3: mm-hmm.
0: uh, Amy without, you know...
2: It's almost the case. You can sort of see Clara and Matt Smith. Just... just uh, but... I think Amy, Rory and The Doctor are a trio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But The Doctor and Clara can also... So that's another definition. But that feels of the like a different but, thing. That's
0: yeah. wings to the Beatles, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yes, yeah. <obviously>. Particularly <laughs> as if you think of Clara, you're more likely to be thinking of Peter Capaldi, right?
2: Um, No, because... Well, because two, four day, years with Capaldi. The day of the Doctor is so... Yeah, it's so yeah. prominent. I mean, it's difficult. I mean, it's basically. But again, it's that's, basically the thing that ten and hurt else. as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, top two, okay. right? Oh, yeah. Okay, you must know who the top two are. But in second place, mm. and again, this is a leap, and this is on forty point six seven percent now. Donna. Mm. I was convinced when this started that Donna was going to win it. Mm, Me too. Because Donna, I've got to say, I don't think she deserves to be that high. I like her, like her a lot, but I don't think she deserves to be that high. I don't think that she had a great story in which she gets to improve herself. And that's a good story to tell. But even when she was the improved version of the character, all the things that I hated about the unimproved version of the character were still there. Which is why she's able to go back to being that person at the end. So as much as I do like Donna, all the bits about Donna that I don't like as well are all there entirely in the mix all the time. And for me, she's... uh, she would have been in my top ten, but she was nowhere near being in my top five. That's me.
1: She was one of the biggest surprises of the entire series, next to Billy Piper, for me. Because well, I when think she was in the run, run Just on bride, that
0: point, yeah, though, I think the surprise still overrides the actuality. I Do you know, know what I mean?
1: I don't know. Not, my, not, not with me, it doesn't... I mean, the surprise was the fact that when she was in runaway bride and she turned around and went, oh my God, whatever. I was like this is what, you know, this is why. Why are you doing this to us? Don't Please don't put somebody... Like, I can't bear Catherine Tate's comedy. It just doesn't make me laugh. It's all, you know... It just just doesn't... It just gets my wick. It annoys me. And I thought, imagine that. Imagine her as a... Perm- okay, it's only one episode. I can deal with that. And then when the news came out, she was permanent, permanently joining the TARDIS. That was another Billy Piper moment. So I, I I can't quite get my head around the fact that this is going to work. Yeah,
0: but by, by about a third of the way into The Runaway Bride, she's already...
1: But she was she was fine in it actually, and I kind of accepted her as this one-off companion, and it worked within the episode because it's quite fun and it's upbeat and it's Christmas. That like, scene on the
0: rooftop fun. about twenty minutes in is a great. It is scene, a good scene,
1: yeah. yeah, a good scene. But it still didn't quite convince me that she could carry for an entire series as a, as a major companion. But I think it was within um, by the end of the first episode actually. that I was looking at it with the fat kit with the fat creatures, whatever they call it, adipose, and I was thinking. Yeah, this, this could actually work if she tones it down a little bit. And it did, as you as went through the series. I don't think the stories allowed her to as I don't think she ever toned well. it down, though. Yeah, she, I think so. Because
0: even... She's got that, at the end of Partners in Crime, Mate! Don't call me mate! I'm not your mate! I'm not mating with you! And then in Journey's End, at the end, All you've right, got... She didn't now you I'm that. the Dark Doctor Time Lord jig. what's it? And I'm going to press these buttons and do you
1: Daleks. Yeah, but she's half David Tennant, she? so she has to be a I aware.
0: know, but that's the irritating <laughs> factor that doesn't go away. So as much as I like her, she still irritates me.
1: Yeah, maybe that's the thing. But I think she's a uh, cracking actor better than she is a comedian.
2: I like the performance, but I really dislike the character. So I didn't, she's nowhere near the top for me. In fact, she's mm. sort of bumping along the bottom.
1: And I think I surprised myself how much I like her She, annoyed, I, think...
2: she annoyed, I can't think of a of an episode that she's in that I thought, thank God Donna's in the, that episode. And I think it's I think it's something to do with the the way that she's sort of fetishised as as being I don't know, as the being, one that's as being surprised knowledgeless everyone. and oh, I slightly mean, yeah. stupid, but not stupid, just sort of down to worth and
1: Innocent, and I don't know. She had a natural intelligence from the outset. Yeah. You could, you could see that. Even in Runaway Bride, she, she had that. They wouldn't have chosen her as a character to be in that if she yeah. didn't have something She had this her. sort of an instinctive intelligence. There's an instinctive intelligence that just needed to be honed and trained, which is what the doctor kind of did for her. Which is her. sort of a patronising sort
3: of. It's to happen,
1: you know, on board, is it? And trying to make. Her,
2: well, yeah. But but then you're comparing uh, a savage from the warrior tribe of the seventeen with a temp. With a and, chaff, I, and I think yeah. that's kind of that's kind of patronizing in itself. It's kind oh. of presenting a certain sort of
1: person. But is it though? In mean, if you put somebody way. who's who's poorly educated into a school, that's not patronizing into intelligence, is it? You're you're training them to be a wider person. Somebody you're giving somebody communication and words yeah. to express themselves better to the world. Yeah, so that's what I felt that was happening with her she was getting more expressive as the series went off right. still with the mate stuff but
0: I didn't think they did like, a very good job of it though. no okay she's Not like, massively.
1: by Planet of
0: the Ood, she's fully developed and then from that point forward she's back and forth and up yeah. and down
1: but that is the that would be the writing side of it wouldn't it as opposed to her actual
0: yes but we're here to talk about the character yeah yeah it's the yeah, character right. the performance well as the,
2: the performance was fine she, she, she convinced me of the character I didn't like the character there's yeah. something about Russell T Davis that he was very he he set his stories in a very urban environment with very real people and it's its like that kind of queer as folk sort of second coming presenting fantasy in an urban setting in tower blocks
3: Yeah,
2: and that's not my that's no. not my world that's not the doctor who I grew up with and that's not the world that I grew up with So there's always aliens I grew up snow. in I grew up in the 11th hour. That's my world with characters like Martha and Clara and even Amy to a certain degree. That's the world I grew up in. But Donna is sort of... Donna's just alien to me. Really? Yeah.
1: That's exactly the world I grew up in. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> which, is why,
2: which is why I don't get on yeah, with the character problem. Fair enough, though. And I don't think... I mean, it's partly intellectual snobbery from my point, but it's also partly... It's just how my childhood went and what I recognised from my childhood. And with the old series of Doctor Who, I always recognised the stories set in villages, and that's just where I. But I was too. I so something
1: connect. like survival when it came yeah. out, I was thinking, I don't want Doctor Who to be anywhere near this because that's my yeah. everyday. Yeah. That urban, that kind of, that lifestyle this I'm, I'm trying to get away from. I watched Doctor Who to escape. I yes. don't want it to be part of it. Yeah. So when we had the whole Rose thing and the whole kind of urban setting in the mm. block of flats, I was thinking, I don't really want this because it's just going to bring me back down to earth. I want to escape all my yeah. magic of Doctor Who. But I think it still worked. We set. We had the comedy of the farting aliens. We had yes. all kinds of interesting things with Big Ben going on and, and reality. <laughs> oh, yeah, and yeah. Stuff it was happening with fantasy. It it, it got yeah. us back into Doctor Who. It got the world back into Doctor Who. Yeah. It's a clever kind of ruse, really. It, it worked. To bring geekdom I, into But I, my
2: personal preference isn't for that environment. And it's not no. because it reminds... Not because it's feel, I feel like it's dragging me back somewhere because I've never been there. It feels like more of an alien environment. So for Doctor Who, you need an alien environment, which is the fantasy, and you need a grounded Earth environment. And for me, that grounded Earth environment wasn't there with that setting. And I think the thing about Donna is she comes from that world. She sort of grows from from that world. Rose doesn't necessarily grow from that world. (coughs) She feels like an outsider in that world. She's the the person who lives in the tower block but should be out travelling. She should be in Mm. Thailand Mm. or somewhere like that. Donna feels like she's part of that world and she really shouldn't be travelling around. She doesn't feel like she wants to be travelling
1: she didn't want to be travelling, though, did she? No, exactly. She Realised she made that mistake. Yeah, and I'm not sure
2: that's that's what I like from a com- from a companion. I think Amy wants to travel. Clara has that sort of intellectual curiosity. Mm-hmm. She's a teacher of history and literature, so obviously travelling with the Doctor is like her not not being sort of civilised. It's her gaining. Information for well, her already. There's a wonderful
1: John. scene where she turns up with all her suitcases, yeah. ready to get on the TARDIS. It's yeah. Like a yeah, yeah, Donna scene. yeah. scene straight away we but know. Donna, what kind of person she's like, is. She's, yes.
2: she's like on the board of TARDIS like it's a package holiday.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: Brilliant. Donna <laughs> travels as a voyeur, whereas everybody else gets on the TARDIS to get involved, which is really funny. Yeah, which is really funny,
2: and that's why I can see what they're doing with the character and the performance is great. But that's why I don't like that companion. I don't, I don't buy into that kind of reason to travel on the TARDIS, but and... it's only one. <laughs> series. She's only one in it for one series, so yeah. you know yeah. I can live with that. I just wouldn't put her at the top of or near the top of the list.
1: Right, I wonder why she is then. For any reason.
2: Because people like her, and I'm not. My view is atypical.
0: i <laughs> also. I do think there's a lot in it. She is the one who really surprised people, and I think that counts for a lot. I think people. Vote her higher than she necessarily would be if she hadn't surprised them, purely because there's so much shock about the fact that she did such a good job.
1: Yeah, it, yeah, it is quite patchy, but yeah, she was in some dreadful episodes. She was, but she made such a good, you know, she did well in a lot of dogs' dinners. Hmm. <laughs> Seriously, doctor's daughter.
0: Um, I've just realised I've not been reading out Stephen Montgomery's comments. Go on then. So, prior to getting to number one... Look away, Matt. I will read out the comments, and then we'll find out who won this. (laughs) Um, Of other people who are on Montgomery's list, he says, River Song was hot, passionate, scary, funny, and doctory. What's not to love? Mm -hmm. And he says of Rory, Again, the performance of Arthur Darville is superb, and the character development is probably the best of any companion. And Montgomery's number one was Wilfred. By far and away the best thing about RTD Who. Cribbin's scenes with Tennant are beautiful and would be the only reason I'd watch that awful end of time ever again. I quite like that. Steve Hur says of... I read out his one on Oscar, didn't I? Right. He says of Nardal. Nardol's scenes were some of my favourites in Series 10. Not many people can deliver a sarcastic one-liner like Matt Lucas and I've just realised that actually was the last one I didn't read, you did read, is not it? did, yeah. <laughs> but he says of Rose... The companion that made the dream of watching New Who in 2017 possible. Rose was so much more than just another stupid ape. And Billy was so much more than a pop singer. And he says of Donna Noble, who was Steve Hur's number one choice, the chemistry between Tennant and Tate has not been bettered in Doctor Who. Bringing pathos and humour to the role, Catherine Tate made made what should have been a very unlikable character very likable. And the only character... The only character that both Steve Hur and Montgomery Taradil both had on their lists is the one who has, of course, won it. Montgomery says, fun, funny, caring and thrilled by learning about the universe, the companion I would hope to be. Steve Hur says she started off very well but seemed to lose her way mid-season, treading water until her cybernization. Again, like Tate, Pearl Mackey nailed the human within the character and made us care. And on 50.67%, by far and away the winner of this, Bill Potts, Pearl Mackey. So,
2: unlike Donna, (laughs) Bill Potts Starts as somebody in an unlikely position, so she works in in the kitchen in the university, and you actually see her then, then starting to develop before she goes off on the journey. So by the time she goes off with the doctor, it's part of mm. her sort of development as mm. as an intellectual character.
1: Yeah. It's beautifully done. Yeah. I'm not going to argue with any of that. Yeah, my <laughs> only problem, with, my
2: problem with it is we're not going to see that conclusion. I've always I said at the time. I had this strange anxiety mm. that we'd never see um, Bill Potts potentially graduate from, from her degree or finish her degree because mm. I'm all about finishing degrees. Because well, uh, you might
0: find that uh, You might, yeah, yeah you <laughs> might find her, You might
2: end with her graduation. I suspect it probably ends with a regeneration scene, but you might see a <laughs> graduation scene.
0: Well, yeah, there may be a graduation Maybe scene. Maybe they'll a cut. Little before the regeneration. Maybe they'll have the
2: regeneration scene and they'll cut
0: like between that and her graduating. No, As it'll be can... it'll be um like a tenant's thing at the end of the end of time where he goes around instead of seeing Donna at the church with the guy that she finally does marry he goes back and sees bill getting a first class degree with honors and then he goes off and sees Clara yeah. owning the keys to the restaurant oh, or um but, yeah. I think the reason Bill Potts has won it is because two twofold one. The actress deliberately never went back and watched any Doctor Who to see what the other actors who'd been playing the companions were doing. So what she brought to it was as natural as what Billy Biper brought to it yeah. in series one with Eccleston. And like I say, I think the reason Rose is further down is because of the second series and the return later on. I think if Rose had been her one series companion, she'd be up there with Bill Potts. Bill Potts has not had a chance to spoil herself. But I think the other thing is that all of the other characters on this list, of the primary six that I talked about before, have all been characters who have had some reason to be in Doctor Who, like a reason of improvement. Whereas Bill is more like one of the old series companions, in that she kind of chances upon the TARDIS, not by accident, but by accident of being in the right place at the right time. And you talk about a intellectual curiosity, Mm. but unlike, say, Rose, where you're talking about somebody whose life has left in the wrong place. Mm. So Rose's entire life has been in the drudgery, but she's always been a better person than that. Bill has landed in the wrong place, but you don't get the impression that her life, her backstory, has been written to facilitate her being in Doctor Who. Well, it's almost she a, feels like a real person, and the relationship it just happens to have got on board the TARDIS. The
2: relationship because they set up the relationship between the Doctor and her as professor and a student, rather than Doctor and know, companion. Eld- elderly gentleman who kidnaps younger lady for, tra- but, but, for travels on quotes list, specifically
0: <laughs> they're set up as teacher and student yeah. as opposed to doctor yeah, and yeah, companion yeah. whereas yeah. all the other ones are set mm. up as doctor and, and companion that,
2: that kind of makes sense so if Tennant and Donna were set up as teacher and student then it would be less patronising I think for me to see Donna like develop but they're not they're set up as like I don't know mates or sort of
3: equals yeah. Equals as in sort of like <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. the age range maybe. That's Yeah, equals idea, but also yeah.
2: they play on that with the Doctor Donna at the end. Yeah. They're true. sort of equals, but they're not, they're very unbalanced. Whereas the the Doctor and Bill, they're not they're not intellectual equals, but there's still a sort of an
1: emotional kind there's of There's a grandfatherly thing again, isn't it? That was yeah. that was introduced on purpose. But
0: she know. never and this is my issue. When we first started watching series ten we were sort of saying at the end of every episode, she could turn out to be the best companion ever, yeah. or in the new series, and here we are on this list, and she is. Mm. But actually, I don't think that happened. I think they messed up the character, in that I don't think she did develop across the series, and I think she finished the series in the same place where she started it. It slowed actually,
1: down, slowed down midway. Didn't but it?
0: no, you more think? even than that is that they began to make her a victim, and yeah. so in Oxygen she was a victim, in um, the Monks trilogy she was a victim, and then come the end of the series she's the biggest victim of all. She's the victim of uh, becoming a Cyberman, which
2: is why I'm, th- which is why my pain of her not it looked as though she was on a journey and for me the journey was getting her to getting her degree which sounds like a small thing in the context of her journey of was interrupted happened.
1: rudely and you know, yeah. violently yeah. and that that makes it all the more tragic for a character and yeah. e- even with the kind of slightly redemptive ending with her and the puddle girl which we I kind of knew was going to happen but it was really tacked on in a way it doesn't it doesn't quite Feel, it doesn't feel like a good enough release for her or ending, and maybe because
2: and right, it's still, maybe, she, maybe it feels a bit degree. like an open-ended thing still because yeah. we haven't seen her last appearance. No, and we're, we're still. True. I'm sort of still thinking. Well, another. I'm sure she won't be still in it after the Christmas special, but I'm still thinking maybe her story isn't finished yet. She's the most recent. She's still the mm. current one, so maybe this isn't finished. So she's still an unfinished. Yeah, maybe in two years, three years' time, when we realize she has been cut off, maybe she'll drop down the list a bit because mm. her story taken as a whole will be unsatisfactory. Possibly,
1: she's got superpowers now, yeah. So, you know, But no, oh, we don't... don't know.
0: She says at the end of that, or Puddle Girl says at the end of her uh, last episode, I can reconfigure you back to just the human you were before because you know, her ability is to put. Take atoms apart and put them back together. Mm. And so we have to expect that in the Christmas special, Bill Potts will be back to just being Bill Bill Potts Potts. as she was before. And, you know, her and Puddle Girl's paths will have crossed and Puddle Girl will have gone off. Uh, That's what I'm assuming we're going to see. So Bill will go back to, and she'll be in the Christmas special, and at the end of the Christmas special, she'll go back to her ordinary life with the 17 degrees that she's been doing in the meantime with Mm -hmm. Puddle Girl. And uh that will be satisfied. Possibly. Or maybe not. But I don't think it's... Uh, I don't think... See, when Rose comes in at the start, it's all about how the Doctor improves her as a person. And I think you have to make that the story. To whatever degree, you have to make the story about the effect that the Doctor has on the companion. I don't think we see any effect on Bill.
2: I, I think it's got to be more than that. I think the companions got to improve themselves in the company of the Doctor.
0: Well, yes, but we don't, don't see any no. improvement in Bill. By the end, she's still just watching things happen to her. Yeah,
1: yeah. there was a lot of um, open mouth, worried, kind of anxious, oh, I'm going to get it now, sort of thing from her. Whereas she turned out, in the first three episodes especially, she was a particularly strong character, very much her own beast. She could look after herself. Um, well, except there's you know, that f- moment f- halfway fuffy.
0: through Smile where she goes back to the TARDIS and says, should we get out of here now? And sadly, that Mm. seems to have come to define the character. Should we get out? She asks it again three episodes later in Oxygen.
3: Mm.
0: And by the end, it's like the Doctor says to her, wait for me. And ten years later, she's still down there, half turned into a Cyberman, waiting for him to come and rescue her. It's like, have you not learned anything yet?
3: Mm.
0: I tell you what, why she's at the top though is because Pearl Mackie is just so damn good.
1: She is amazing. How old is she, Dominic? Or how old was she when she took the path?
0: Mid 20s? Mid
1: 20s. She feels younger uh, in, in, in the way she acts, but so mature, so brilliant, so well defined. I don't know what she's been I in for. think she before, was 26. She's so was stage. stage.
0: She's done a uh, couple of tiny things on TV.
1: Absolutely amazing. Talking about stage, I saw um, Billy Piper in Yerma. Pardon? in Yerma, have I heard of it? Lorca, um, a Spanish poet, did a play about a woman's kind of descent into madness. And Billy Piper was the main character. Hmm. And, you know, I was watching her, obviously thinking, ah, oh, that's Rose. <laughs> but um, that disappears within seconds. It's the most incredible piece of acting I've seen wow. from from anybody for a long time. It was <clears throat> a particularly harrowing piece. Nice. And madness. Was- Is that a comedy? Yeah, it's hilarious. And no, it starts off reasonably funny and then right. goes to terribly serious. Okay. But, cool. um, yeah, National Theatre screened it live. Oh, wow. So, recommend it.
3: Okay.
0: <clears throat> and speaking of reviews... Which is
1: why it, there's another reason why she should be higher because she's such a damn fine actress as well. Danny Pink um,
0: didn't get any points. None. None whatsoever. <laughs> um, right. But you've... Now that you've segued into reviews I'm going to do my four. I'm going to do them very quickly. Um, I did two animated films because I've not done any reviews for a while but I've done reviewed...
1: Do you ever watch animated films? I don't think you've ever reviewed one, have you?
0: No, but I took a couple and they went bad. One of them's called Spark. They both lost a ton of money. Spark. They both, they each cost 60 million dollars and Spark made back something like 120,000 dollars. It's one of the biggest bombs of well, I think it's one of the biggest animated bombs ever. Wow. It's not a terrible film, it's just a, basically it's just Star Wars with animals like foxes and main characters and monkey, but without the humour and the character.
1: Ooh. It's not a bad film. Who, who is who's it? Is it like a Dreamworks or something or just a...
0: No no these are in, in Independent. Well, Spark's independent, the other one's a Chinese one. Um although it's in English with American actors. <clears throat> but Spark is not bad. It's got Patrick Stewart in it. He plays quite an eccentric character. Yeah, he's in the Emoji movie as well, which is mm. apparently
2: one of the worst films ever made. Well, Spark, Patrick in- Stewart's involvement isn't necessarily a, <laughs> a mark. <Marcus laughs> well, no,
0: I'm just saying. Yeah. But yeah. Spark, it's not. It's not dreadful. It's just bland, okay. and it's just one of those films that if you've seen any of the Star Wars movies, you've seen it all before. I think possibly for an animated movie. Bland
2: is probably Mm. worse than dreadful. It's probably the biggest. You really have such an opportunity to make something really bright and colourful
0: or really sort of painfully emotive. And Bland? Wow. Mm. Oh, it's colourful, isn't it? It It's slightly slower than you'd expect, but it moves. It moves around from location to location and it's got a sort of fairly easy to follow story. And some of the sort of characters in it. Put it this way, I watched it with a three-year-old and he was entranced. Okay.
3: okay.
0: So it worked for a three-year-old. <laughs> the other animated film, the three-year-old has now made me watch eight times in the space of a week. Lucky you. Um, those eight times were condensed into two weekends. So, And that's Rock Dog, which also lost a ton of money. Cost 60 million, made 20. not
1: oh,
0: well one of the reasons why it lost a lot of money is cuz it's a Chinese film but the distributor and the producer the production company had a financial falling out and so the distributor refused to distribute it I'm exaggerating but essentially mm. it, it was supposed it should have been a big hit in China and um, it ended up on, like, two cinemas or something in the whole country of two billion people. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Is this yeah. going to
1: be some kind of a, a, a like a cult film, do you think? Do you think it'll bring up the ranks later? Or I
0: don't know if it will, but it's good. Yeah. It's got it's the Eddie Izzard in it as Mick Jagger in feline form, and he's absolutely <laughs> hilarious. It's about a dog. It takes... This is perhaps another reason. It takes. It starts in the Tibetan mountains. And it's about a Tibetan mastiff who um, is supposed to be... There's a villi- It's an animated thing with animals. So a bunch of sheep have got this village in the Tibetan mountains, but there are always wolves coming to get them. So there's this mastiff dog who looks after the sheep, but he's entirely by himself. And he's got this son who wants to be a rock star. So he's trying to train the son up to be a guard for this village and the son just wants to go off to the city and get his guitar out and play guitar.
1: But... That's a great
0: well, the the son ends up going to the city meets this Eddie Izzard character who's like Mick Jagger or whatever mixed with um, Keith Richards. It's hilarious. And the wolves follow him in their pin suits. You know, pinstripe suits. To, it's It's good. It's not the best, but I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And um, Eddie Izzard is an absolute blast. But you know, the funniest thing in it is um, because there's just this one dog guard in the village. What he does is he makes a load of dog suits for the sheep to wear. So the sheep can stand in the fields outside the village <laughs> in these ridiculous suits with papier-mâché masks with dog faces painted on them. And these sheep, it's, it is hilarious. I, I'm probably making that out to be better than it actually is, but I really enjoyed it and I would recommend it. What dog it is. Um, the funny. Howling is just about to be issued on Blu-ray. Oh.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, Howling is kind of American Werewolf in London's lesser cousin, really. They both came out at the same time An American Werewolf. I
1: thought it was, was great the... at the time, but I bet it's dated, has not it?
0: It has dated horribly. The funny thing about it is it's probably actually a better film than American Werewolf because it actually deals with the psychology and things like that. It actually gets into sort of the philosophy of being a werewolf, whereas American Werewolf in London just kind of skirts around at the edges and all that stuff and tells an entertaining story. American Wealth is more of a personal thing about the bloke. Howling is more of a philosoph- philosophical thing about lycanthropy. So, in many respects, it's probably a better film, but yeah, it's kind of dated horribly, and some of the effects in it are nasty the stop motion stuff and the animated stuff. But I, it's one of those cult classics that will never be, you know, will never stop being a cult classic. Mm. And um, on Blu-ray, you know, it looks about as nice as you're ever going to see it. Mm -hmm. The Weird thing about the extras is, though, hardly any of the main cast or main players are involved. Like the script is co-written by John Sayles, who's a really good filmmaker and actor in his own right. He's nowhere to be seen. Joe Dante's nowhere to be seen. The lead actors are... Yeah, well, some of them, not all of them, but it's like a the extras package. Like it's like quite a substantial package because it's like this special anniversary or special edition issue of it. But it just really scratches at the surface of it. It's odd. Mm. Um, But the other one, other thing is um, the Doctor's DVDs that are putting together the Mythmakers interviews from Keith Barnfather's real time pictures has arrived at Tom Baker. So you've got a sort of 45-minute interview with Tom Baker, plus Elizabeth Sladen, Ian Martyr. Wow. Mary Tam, John Leeson, and Louise Jameson. Mm -hmm. uh, For any Doctor Who fan who enjoyed that period, it's just an absolutely essential purchase. Tom Baker, of course, Mm -hmm. these days, he's just a caricature of who Tom Baker thinks Tom Baker is, right? Mm -hmm. So this this interview was recorded in 1989, I think, or around about then. It was about the last time you could actually get Tom Baker to talk about things without just sending himself up. Hmm. So it's, a, it's The thing about Tom Baker, he's not really an. I wouldn't say an intelligent man. So he. No, he's. Lisa's giving me a funny look. Everything about Tom Baker is instinct. He's an erudite person, so he's well read. But within he's field. not very good at formulating and then repeating his thoughts. Hmm. So the interview is kind of stuttery stop starty. Yeah. Where he just sort of you'll ask him a question and he'll sort of say half a sentence and then stop and think for ages and then the second half of the sentence doesn't really have much to do with what the first half of the sentence was. And this is not him being eccentric, it's just I you know, I'm not saying he's stupid. I'm saying he's not he's not very good at articulating himself. Okay. And that's been true from the start, that little interview with him on the I think it's on the Terror of the Zygons D V D now. On um regional news programme where they were filming it mm-hmm. or filming no, the where they were doing the Wookiee Hole stuff in Revenge of the Zygon then he's really struggling to answer the interviewers' questions there as well, I think.
1: Isn't that? Isn't he a shy person? Isn't that what it was all about? Well, I think it's partly quite quite shy or drunk. Yeah, maybe. But um, <laughs> but and also his his brain works oddly, doesn't it? I mean, like you say. Yes, but what I'm saying is, he gets is, to a point. You know, he just goes, oh, "I'm bored with that question. I'm going to just talk about something I want to talk about."
0: But but and what I'm saying is, he's not articulating his thoughts, right?
1: I mean, is that because he doesn't want to? Or because he can't?
0: I don't think he can. I think you look at any interview with him that he's ever done and he, he, even like one with Sue Lawley, he kind of trots out the pat answers but he looks bored doing it mm. because he can't, because it strikes me that he can't, he doesn't see any other way of doing the interview.
1: I don't know. Don't know. We've gone down a bit of a rabbit hole here. Good though, is it? <coughs> yeah. Um
0: Well, yeah, but I mean some of them are really early. Mary Tam dressed as Alice in Wonderland, been chased around by Nicholas Briggs'
1: White Rabbit. That just sounds amazing. Mm. You've got to get that. No, a really cheap video. It's
0: horrible, but the interview's worth it.
2: I might get it. I'm definitely going to get the
1: Poetry one.
0: Oh, the Tom Baker one's well worth it. And the Patrick yeah. Truant one. This Sorry, is... are
1: we saying that this is all in one DVD package?
0: Yes, because what they did was the Myth Makers were single interviews, thirty minutes on VHS. Then when they started um, getting further along, they started bulking them up to about an hour. And so then they came out on DVD, some of them in pairs and some of them by themselves, but an hour on each disc. Mm-hmm. And now um, this company, Koch Media, have bought up the rights. And what they're doing is packaging six interviews on a two-disc set. So you actually get somewhere between five and six hours. So you had a Pertwee set, which was about five and a half hours of interviews with Pertwee and his companions. Then you had a Troutman and his companions. And now you've got Tom Baker and his companions. Right.
1: And what sort of price range are they? So well, the DVD,
0: uh, you might be able to fetch it for as little as nine ninety nine on Amazon. I think the RRP is sixteen quid.
1: Okay, sounds good.
0: But these, but I mean, if you'd have bought even in pairs, if you'd have bought the DVDs the first time around, it would have cost you thirty quid. So mm. already, you're talking half the price. Yeah.
3: Mm.
0: I know, and you know, Louise Jameson talented, Liz Sladen hers is one that's recorded later so it's just a sit down proper interview 70 minutes long and this is before the series came back so this Mm. is, you know, about her life before she knew where it was going to go in those last few years yeah, well worth it the set and Ian Martyr
3: Mm.
0: you know there's so little of Ian Martyr sort of offset on record And here's a 50-minute interview with him. It's worth it for that alone. Mm. And recorded on the um, locations for Terror of the Zygons, too. So there's about 10 minutes on the beach, 10 minutes um, in the village square, all this kind of stuff.
3: Mm.
1: Mm -hmm. It's funny, because those were um, filmed to bring back the nostalgia, to catch up with uh, the actors, see what they were doing at the time and all that. But now that's become the nostalgia itself. So when you look at these things, it's like, oh,
3: Early 90s. Well, a lot of these,
0: yeah, a lot of these are from the late 80s, I think, because I think the Tom Baker ones were the ones that they kind of tried to go for first to get their sort of series up and running, I guess. Mm. So the Mary Tam one especially is a very early one, and the Ian Martin one's pretty early too. Yeah, no, well worth getting that. Oh, well. Right, um, I think that's it for tonight then, isn't it? Okay. So, until next week.
1: I was Lee. I was Matt.
0: And I was JR. And we'll speak again soon.